morning, good evening, listeners. Hope you are fine on this uh, Sunday evening. Um, whenever you are listening to this, I hope you are having a fine day. Uh, today is the start of season two. The end of season one has ended. It was more about um, spiritual world and heaven and hell, uh, the things that pertain to that. And this world, well, one will be more about uh, things on earth how we are affected by the spiritual realm on earth, how we walk on earth, how we're supposed to, I I don't know, um, can't really put to words, but it's more of a, uh, how God sees, you know, the worldview versus God's view is uh, a good way to put it. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, Today though, we're, um, I think it'd be good to start off with my testimony. I think I won't go back too far uh, to my birth. I'll probably only be accounting the past seven years, which has been the total of uh, my Christian life. I mean, it was starting around uh, from when I was born to 11 years of age. I was a very nice life, very good childhood, a lot of friends, very nice neighborhood. Uh, we it was kind of like an oasis in the desert or a neighborhood. We had a lot of uh, you know crime and uh, drugs happening in other neighborhoods, but ours was relatively peaceful, other than you know the random neighbor making a fuss every now and again. But it was it was very nice growing up. Um, I can't complain about it. I look back on it with uh, a lot of fond memories, very funny memories. Um, we get up. I mean every Sunday morning. I mean, my biggest worry and biggest troubles at that time were uh, waking up late uh, on Sunday mornings or Saturdays when we were going to go to church or whatever. Um, I didn't really have uh, many troubles until after I started my belief in God, and I soon learned what that meant and why that was. But um, sir, my would. Let's start with where uh, I started this entire relationship with God. I go to where I am now, I think, would be a good way to do it. This would be unscripted, and I just kind of wanted to sit down and speak my mind and share with you what I've seen and share with you what I've been through. And I think it's a very powerful moment because, you know, people can deny the, the existence of God. People can deny the existence of a supernatural power, but... They can't deny what has happened to you and what you have seen because it's happened to you and you've just seen it. So it was any day like any other. We woke up. I, that day, wanted to go to what we would call um, big boy church or adult church. And that was just the main sanctuary where the adults would go. And I wouldn't go with like the other youth at the age. Probably like eight. I think it was eight to... 8 to 11 years old, or maybe it went by grades. I think it may have went by grades. But instead of going there, I went to the adult church um, where I had regular sermons, usually by Pastor Lee, the uh, senior and lead pastor at Radiant Church. Um, But I don't really remember what the sermon was about. I don't really remember worship or anything like that. I only remember about the last 10 minutes. And there was an atmosphere in the room that I couldn't really explain as an 11-year-old. 
you know, because I've never really felt anything like it. It was a very earnest atmosphere. It was kind of serious as Pastor Lee was taking us uh, into sort of an altar call. If you don't know what an altar call is, that's when he calls uh, people to Christ and people to God and asks them to start a relationship with him. And one thing that he said really gripped me. You know, he said, if you feel this tugging on your heart, if you feel this pulling on your heart of God and he's calling out to you, and that's exactly what I felt. There was this feeling in my heart that was a pulling, a calling, you know, something that was yearning inside of me, a wanting, and I had no direction with it. I didn't know where to put it until Pastor Lee said that. And that's when the Lord spoke to me and he called for me. And the the overwhelming feeling of love at that moment was beyond description. Um, I began to weep. I began to just feel it was like this extremely warm blanket that fell over me and went through my body and joys and happiness and I felt cleansed at that moment I felt pure I felt at home is how I felt I felt like I was in the arms of someone who has cared deeply about me for my entire life and in truth he has been caring for me since the beginning of time when he first started to write my story here on earth it was an amazing, amazing moment. And the thought, um, thought of just, and it was like an awakening and a lightening of how real God was. Cause you, you grow up in the church believing that there is a God, but you never really see, feel close to him. You know, you see him as distant, like he's doing things, but doesn't really involve you or what you're doing. Um, you just kind of try your best and believe in him. You don't. You don't really have a relationship, is what I'm trying to put at. But at that moment, um, in my mind, it was just like, wow. This God is real. It's tangible. It's not like other gods. You look at other religions. You have to strive your whole life to just get a chance to, you know, be in the afterlife, or, you know, they're not worthy enough to be in the God's presence or the gods are just nature or food. Or, um, it was, it was different. It was very different. Um, and so I immediately just accepted the call. I rose my hand and said, Hey, I want to start this relationship. I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I, I just want to start. And looking back, that was a really beautiful moment. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where it's going to go. But just that moment of knowing how good this thing is, that it doesn't matter where you go, you know. You just want to be part of the ride. You just, you just want to see it out. You want to race to, you know, finish the race and fight the good fight. Um, after the service, I just had this really giddy feeling. Um, I didn't, 
had a smile on my face all the way home. I don't remember when that smile came off my face, but it was on there for a very, very long time throughout the day. I did cartwheels through the parking lot all the way to the car. And, uh, you know, I was a kid and I felt this amazing feeling and literally met this amazing person who has cared for me and will continue to care for me. And um, during that experience, that's when God called me to ministry and to speak on his behalf. And, you know, I didn't really know what that meant. My The most exposure I had to ministry was preaching on a stage. You know, you'd see a preacher on a stage and like, oh, that's ministry. But then as I grew older, I saw oh, you can do, uh, you can preach online, you can uh, be an evangelist, you can uh, be part of a ministry across the world you know uh, there's there's a lot more outlets and trying to find my way in that is interesting as we go along that's that's when as I said earlier that's when the hardships began began to come you know with death and sorrow and depression and a lot of things really hard things uh, for a young man to comprehend at that time and that's exactly what the enemy does you know he knows about you but once you take up that gauntlet and you start walking with god you become an extremely nuclear threat to him and to everything he's been trying to do uh, since his downfall and so then he starts to come after you and um, try to make your life, uh, you know, disappointing and try to bring death and destruction into it uh, to try and deter you from uh, the walk you have. And I'm thankful that I never, you know, there were times I admit, and a lot of Christians would admit, there were times that we have stepped back and other times we have veered off the track and tried to walk away from it. You know, we we saw what happened when we took up the gauntlet, the pains that happened, and we just kind of were like, I thought you were supposed to take care of me. We weren't in full understanding of that bad things will happen. We, my, my thought was, think where I was thinking God's going to take care of me so nothing bad will happen and that's a very foolish thing a more wise way to take it is God will take care of you because bad things will happen those bad things will come from God he cannot do bad that is against his nature God can do all things but sin that is the one thing he cannot do um, he allows the enemy to do things but what's beautiful about that is say, you know, the devil, he, the devil has to ask the Lord, the enemy has to ask the Lord about the evil things it wants to commit. And the Lord will allow those things to happen, but he will make greater things out of the darkness. And so the light remains on top always. God will continually turn darkness into his goodness and 
Sometimes it'll take a week. Sometimes it'll take years. Uh, promises that fall under generations, like um, see what happened to Abraham in the promised land, generations and generations of hardship. But man, the fruit that came out of it, the goodness that came out of it, was far greater than any darkness that presided over the situation. I think by looking back, I got baptized at 13 years old. So it was about two years after I became a follower of God, I got baptized. And my exact words, uh, I was standing in front of maybe a pulpit of 700 people. It's a pretty full crowd. The sanctuary could probably fit 1,200, but there's about 700 people there. Um, and he asked me what I wanted to say. And my exact words, I want to commit myself to a life for God. And uh, he can do whatever he wants for me. And I will follow him. I, he can do whatever he wants for me. And the pastor said, and that was he smiled, so that was beautiful and big words coming from a young man. And I got baptized. My father helped baptize me. And a lot of people say you feel different after your baptism. Uh, like there's this freeing. And and I didn't really feel that. Uh, what I really felt, though, that was a, a grounding and a foundation um, was built. And I have something to stand on and... Uh, something that I've committed to. Um, the first hardship I can remember was when we lost a family friend to leukemia. Um, his name was Simon Cooper. He was, I believe, nine years old at the time. Um, went to my elementary school. Uh, it was the most unfair thing I have ever experienced in my life to watch a nine-year-old you know die of something he had no control over and when he someone has no control over thing any no control over what's killing them you look to god and ask to help and when they die you wonder why that has happened and it's questions like those that may not be answered until we pass on into heaven, but it hurt me for a long time. You know, our family would video chat with them and my sister would continually visit him at the hospital. And I'd hear stories, I'd hear how he, he beat leukemia and then a few months later here has come back. And then um, mom, uh, his mom, one night posted on social media that um, he had passed away. Um, and I didn't know at the time, I was sitting downstairs with my brother uh, watching some television and my sister or my mom comes at the top of the stairs and has this dreadful look on her face. And you know something bad has happened and she can barely mutter the words, but, you know, she says dinner's ready. She can barely speak. It seems like she's choking up. And we get to the dinner table in our living room, and 
it's very quiet and she can hardly, you know, get the words out without crying and tells us that Simon had passed away. And when, when I, I've come to learn that when I experience death and loss, I usually am in this period of shock, not realizing, realizing how real the situation is at the time, you know? And so I just kind of sit there and pick up my food and slowly eat. My brother and my dad don't really talk. They, You can tell, I mean, that's what I'm most saddest I've seen. I've never seen my dad cry. Um, I've never seen him distraught. But I could tell that he was, you know, he's not a really tough man. He's not prideful at all. But you could tell he is upset you know he just had this look on his face and he didn't really say a word you know uh, i looked to my mom and she looks at me and i can't help but start crying and i remember just crying to her and saying it's so unfair it's so unfair and she would hug me and tell me i know i know and um we went to the funeral and when it, it became really real, when the mother cried over the, the casket that was half the size of a regular one, you know, seeing a casket of that size really affected me. You know, it became real that that was a child who uh, was just trying to live a happy life and, um, unfortunately succumbed to a sickness that at the time no one could really control and still cancer is a really horrible thing um but that affected my walk with god a good amount you know seeing something that unfair something that was out of my control uh it you know, seeing something happen to such a brave kid, you know, he was such a brave kid, such an amazing person. Uh, he didn't seem to be afraid of anything. Whenever my sister would see him or we would see him on video chats, he'd always be smiling and joking and had a great sense of humor. And he was an amazing kid. And to see something like that happen to him, um, it affected me, you know as it would anyone and so I sort of was waddling in my faith you know I was balancing I was I was it was a thin it was a thin line I was standing upon one would tip me one way and the other you know would tip me one way it, I was fragile at that time um, then a mentor mind that yeah, if you know me, I'm a big worshiper at heart. I love to worship the Lord. I love to minister to him. I love to speak with him, talk with him, pray with him. Something very close to my heart. And one big reason is um, a mentor of mine back at our kids' camps. You know, he taught me the true heart of worship and taught me what it was to worship God. And that's what kick-started everything. And so he meant a lot to me. Um, but unfortunately, he was tired, got into a car, slept, you know, fell asleep before he could put on his seatbelt and 
Um, they got in a crash and he was ejected and died later in the hospital. Um, and, you know, of course, I was in shock for about a week. But again, we went to the funeral with my friends who knew him, my brother, uh, my friend Noah, uh, who all knew him and who all were mentored by him. And it was another very somber moment, very sad and devastating moment in my life. And I think that was the tipping point for me. I became angry at God and I became uh, emotionally unstable. I would say I'd have fits of anger and I would uh, be looking to other places to fulfill, you know. The thing is, I walked away from God and then I have this hole in my heart and the cloud of uh, the evil and the pain, uh, I failed to see through that, to see that the reason I had that pain was because I had kind of walked away. And it took me about about two years, about one and a half to two years to figure out why that happened. But I, I you know, went into sins and trying to make myself happy in worldly ways, but none of that ever worked. Because what I was doing is trying to replace, um, I was trying to replace God's love with worldly things. And it fell short every time by uh, endless amounts, you know. There is never, I can never replace even an ounce of that feeling of love um, from God, no matter what joys there was. So that was the, my, probably my early middle school years. Around seventh grade, um, I, I met a good group of friends who really lifted me up through that time. They didn't really know what was going on with me. They knew I was, uh, I cared about the Lord. When I met them, I was getting back into God. And around eighth grade, I was really full on God again. Um, but my friends who were Christians and had been through things as well really lifted me up at that time. We were a band of brothers and sisters, and we got through tough times together they would call me the preacher and all that because i would uh, help them and give them wisdom at a young age i'm very glad that um i sought after wisdom and i sought after uh things of that sort you know i'd read in the bible you know you ask for wisdom you receive it or you search for wisdom you receive it and i was glad i did that because it opened up my mind and it allowed me to help others who were dealing with depression or uh, suicide or uh, problems at home and self-harm. There was this girl I would minister to daily who uh, would cut herself and uh, who had self-hatred and family problems back at home. And um, she's amazing and a fine, well person now. And it's amazing what, you know, I would speak words, but it's really God who speaks to her. I can only do so much with words, but it's really God who uh, changed her life. And God will just use us as vessels and tools to do that, which is very beautiful. Like he can skip over us and uh, change people's lives without us. He doesn't need us, but he uses us. Because he loves us and he wants us to teach, and he wants to teach us his ways, and uh, like any good father would. Um, I remember this one point, a friend of mine, 
telling me how his mother came back after uh, pretty much his whole life of being away and him not knowing his mom. And she came back that week and he was thinking about ending his life. Uh, He told me about that and he had this anger in his eyes. He had this pain in his eyes and um, a compassion just came over me. I couldn't help myself and I um, prayed over him right there at that lunch table. I didn't care who was around me. I just cared about my friend at that moment and I cared about his life. And um, I saw him the next day and the next day and the next day and um, kept him in my thoughts and my prayers. And, you know, he lived on and, uh, you know, I haven't seen him in a long time, but I know he's doing well off of what other friends have told me. Um, it's moments like that where you look back on and uh, it's a true adventure being in a relationship with God is. It's a true, another adventure, a beautiful adventure. Um, you hear stories of people who've been through war, you know, been through really hard hardships and they say, I'd do it again. I'd go back. And you look at them like they're crazy because What you do is you look at the awfulness, you look at the death, you look at the horror. You know, World War I veterans saying they'd do it again. They seem insane. But they took something out of that experience that we don't really know about because we haven't experienced it for ourselves. But it was much greater than the pain and the horrors they've been through, that they would go back and do it again. And I feel like that's... uh, a relationship with God is like that, except when we have pains and we have horrors and we have things that come to destroy us. We have a counselor and a God and a Prince of Peace who's there to heal us and mend us and then point us towards a greater path, lead us in a greater way. It's a very beautiful thing. Um, and go through high school, um, high school was hard mostly just for a few reasons. One, um, I began to have this perfectionist mindset of um, I got to do things efficiently. I got to do things perfectly. I got to, because it was engraved to me. I went through a program called CAMSI, which is the Kalamazoo Area of Math and Science Center. And about three to 400 people of the county would apply, but only about 90 students would get in per class and I got in and I was proud of that I felt smart I felt determined um, but they really hit you hard with that perfectionism we had this one biology biology teacher who had this developed walk of shame when we did something wrong or um, if we handed in a test without our name on it accidentally we couldn't take it back to put our name on it you know she would just fail us right then and there and that, you know, when you're in an environment like that, you adapt and you try to uh, create habits that will help you succeed better. But they are very unhealthy habits, and which was, that was one of the reasons why I left. I began to realize that seeing the, how the teachers, uh, their relationships with the students weren't, they were pretty toxic. And um, I, I don't regret leaving that. I am very happy of where I am right now. Um, 
But uh, that was my about my first year and a half, my freshman and halfway through my sophomore year. And getting out of that, I'm starting to transition back into regular high school and uh, how that was. And my school was about 1,700 students. And it was steady like that, uh, plus or minus 100 or two at times. Um, but it was a very large school, a lot of people, a lot of diversity. Uh, we had the highest percentage of diversity, I think, um, throughout the state of Michigan. The second, I believe, was... Uh, I don't really remember what the second was. It was another school in our county. But uh, it was a great time to learn about other cultures, other religions. Um, you know, it was it was just great. You'd learn other people. You'd speak to them, talk to them. You'd go class to class. I, I lo- That's one reason why I liked my high school and my high school years. Um, we also, though, had a big LGBTQ community. And um, anyone who's listening who's pro-LGBTQ um, the thing that I hate about modern day Christianity is it's portrayed as uh, super judgmental and hateful towards people who sin. And I hate that. I really do hate that because it draws people away. You know, what we do is love the person, hate the sin. You know, I am totally against uh, homosexuality it is um, a sin in the bible but that means i'm not totally against the person it's actually the opposite you're for the person i'm not going to approach someone who's like that and tell them they're wrong that's not what you do you don't look down in a pit at someone and say hey you're in a pit it's absurd you hand them a shovel you get down in the pit with them and help them out and you know, sometimes they don't want to be helped. And you're like, okay, I'll just be on my way. And I'll go to the next person. And uh, it was that bias that Christians hate the LGBTQ community that made my uh, high school years very hard. Yeah, I'd, any classroom I would go into, you know, the teachers would be um, a part of that community as well. And so not only would I get persecuted and feel the hatred of, Uh, fellow students, um, but also teachers. And that was very hard. You know, that was very hard because teachers are the people we look up to in society and people we take advice from and who we obey. And so it was very hard to go to certain classes uh, that a teacher would look at you in that way. And it was also very hard because I didn't hate them at all. I loved them and I wanted to just be friends with them. But they didn't want to be friends with me. Uh, they would just persecute me and hate me. And that went throughout, throughout the rest of my high school year. It went into sports, and which is why one of the reasons I left sports. Um, it was a very toxic situation uh, most of the time. Um, and it was very sad for me because all I wanted to do, I had this compassion for them. I wanted to help. I just wanted to help, to give them just a little bit of light in their lives, you know, just give them distraction from what's going on. A lot of them were in pain and uh, sometimes God will allow me to just see through the facade of their face and um, their smiles and see the pain they're actually going through. And it was very sad. It was very sad and very hard to get through uh, day to day knowing that the person on my right was going through such horrible things and that they didn't want help. And 
I'm not going to help them if they don't want help. I'm not there to force something down their throat. I'm not there to do that. That's not what Christianity is. You know, we're just there to be their friends. And if they don't even want to be that, then uh, what, what can you do? And through that, you know, even with people who wanted nothing to do with me, uh, God still um, showed a way for me to, you know, pray for them, for me to uh, help them out without even interacting with them. And it was uh, really important lessons I learned there. One was to stick with God and to stick with my close friends when it seems uh, the rest of the world hates you and persecutes you and for what just because of what you believe in you know I, you think about persecution it's a very bizarre thing to think about because it's I don't know if it's fear behind it I don't know if it's confusion it's probably mostly anger that's fueled behind something else but you're hating someone for something they believe in it just seems so bizarre to me because I've never looked at someone for what they believe in and thought, I hate that person. No, you don't hate the person. Maybe you hate the thing that they believe, but you don't hate the person. I don't know. It, it was very, it's, it's still a hard concept for me to understand, but Jesus, um, he says the Lord, uh, the world has hated hates me, and so it will hate you. And even I believe it was John or Peter who said it is an honor to be uh, persecuted and treated in the same way Jesus has. And I grew an understanding of what that meant of to be treated in an awful way, such a way, and persecuted in such a way that God has. It means you're doing something right. And that might sound weird, but say. You're doing, you know, you're ministering to people. I started a prayer meeting and we were seeing amazing things happen around the school. Um, a lot of prayers being answered in that time. You're doing all these things and the enemy sees that and sees it as a huge threat, you know. And the more closer to God you are, the more of a threat you are. And so when you, these persecutions come, uh, you just say, I must be doing something right. You know, one of my friends, he said, he stopped me in the middle of the hallway after someone was jeering at me. And he said, why is everyone angry at you, hate you? You know, he knows me to be a really good guy and we are really good friends and know a lot about each other. So it was very confusing to him why, why someone would dislike me. Um, and I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm not horrible. <laughs> and I told him I just must be doing something right. And he looked at me confused, but he later understood what that meant, you know. Uh, I guess the best way I can explain it is, say, you're in a war and you're doing a really good job. You're fighting well for your country. The enemy is going to hate you more, the better you do. That is just how it's going to happen. And I am in a war. I'm in a war with the spirits of evil. And the better I do in the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God, like we all should, the more the enemy is going to hate me for that. The more they're going to come after me. So that's what I meant by I must be doing something right. And that was kind of my mindset and how I got peace over 
seeing the hatred and I saw past the hatred and looked at the pain. And there were some beautiful moments where people would just turn in an instant. You know, they would be super extremely rude to me. You know, show me all this hatred and do all these things to me. And then I'd just show them love. And it just broke them down. They were super confused, speechless at times. <laughs> they couldn't even walk away. They just stood there and um, couldn't believe it. That was the best weapon I had. You know, love them to death. That was the best thing I could do. And it's the best thing to do. Um, today, looking back on all of that, um, it's brought up a lot of good memories, a lot of hard times that blossomed into good lessons. You know, you can't learn certain things. Certain things have to be learned through hardships. You know, there are certain lessons that can't be learned any other way than through hardships and pain. That's just how life is. That's just how it is. And I'm happy with my life. Um, I've saved my own life through God. I'm completely at peace with that. No fear of death. I don't really even think about it. You know, I've come to the point where if it's my time, hey, it's my time. If it's not my time, Let's keep moving forward. And so I've saved my own life, so I'm not concerned about it at all. I'm not worried about what's going to happen to me. I'm not, I've already saved it. It's already secured. So I'm just going after other people. I'm trying to help them uh, secure salvation like I have, secure a ticket off this earth like I have. And if they... That's the most beautiful thing when I bring someone to church, a friend from church who's dealing with suicide or drugs, and then they get saved. It's the most beautiful and joyous moment because you know the path they're starting and the joys they're going to have. <laughs> um, I'm just tearing up thinking about it because it is an amazing experience. And of course, they meet God. And in that instant, you know, the drugs stop, you know, the, the sins stop, the darkness stops. Everything that was holding them back in life just bursts open like a dam and they can go forward in fruition and fruits and in a total transformation and rebirth. It is the most amazing thing to experience and never gets old. <laughs> um, and it's an extremely amazing thing. And I told God, if this is what my job is going to be, I am more than happy to do it. <laughs> it is, I'm more than happy to do it because it's the most rewarding job you can do. Because literally, you are saving lives through God. God, through you, who is the vessel, is saving lives. I mean, what better job is to do that? knowing that you are secured, knowing that you are saved, knowing that you are um, going to be with God forever, the person who loves you the most. Heaven's not just clouds and things. It is an amazing and beautiful kingdom that has been built and thought, has so much thought put into it and structure. It is an amazing, glorious place. And knowing that you are going to be with the person that has loved you the most since the beginning of time, 
and you're going to be with them for eternity. That's the beautiful part right there. And so you can just go into life, do your best, and try to bring as many people with you to the Father's house as you can. <laughs> that is my passion. That is my passion, my heart for the church, my heart for my fellow brothers and sisters. You know, fighting against evil, the evil which I hate. People, well, but fighting for the people, the people which I love. I love the people, hate the sin. Fight against the sin, and you fight for the sinner. Hate, <laughs> fight against the sin, fight for the sinner. That's what God did for me. And because of that, I will do that for others. And I think there's no greater way to end this episode, but with that, um, season two is going to be really good. There's a lot of content that I've been extremely excited to share. Um, so those will be coming in the following weeks on Sundays. But man, there are great things to come. Great things to come. I think I'll leave it at that. I think that's, uh, I can't end it in any other way. So I hope you have a good night. Hopefully you have a good morning whenever you're listening to this and lunch break or in your room. Um, I pray that this speaks to you. And I hope that you can take my words and make something beautiful out of it. Make something fruitful out of it. So until next time. <laughs>